Welcome to Green Grasses, our podcast with Cameron and Carla. Today we are going to be talking to our friend and our pastor's wife, April. She is going to share with us her journey um, as she has walked through an autism diagnosis with her oldest son. So we're going to be talking about the challenges she's faced as a mom to an autistic child, as well as the blessings of her unique circumstances, and really just to see how she has seen God prove himself faithful. Um, So here, uh, so April, hi, thank you for coming on to the show. Hello. You can say hello. Hi. Okay. (laughs) And I have known April for a very long time, since I think we go back to high school, because we both grew up in Southern California, and we both grew up in the same church. And so she grew up at Grace Community Church in LA, which is where I grew up, and so it's been fun to have her back in my life after, oh my gosh, so many years. So she is married to John, who is a pastor, and when they met, he was a pastor in training back in California. They have been in Florida for since 05, where her husband was a pastor for a long time, and just recently, just last year. This year or last year? Last calendar year. Last calendar year, moved to Arizona. So we are so excited to have her at our church and to have John as one of our pastors. She is a mom to four boys, ages 16, 15, 12, and 10, and her oldest one is the one that has autism, right? Okay. But before we get to the interview questions, we are going to be doing our get to know Cameron and Carla and April question. And today our uh, question is, what is your favorite book and why? It can be a Christian book. It can be a secular book. What is your favorite book and why? Should I go first? April, would you like to go first? (laughs) (laughs) Would you like one of us to go first? Sure. I'll break the awkward silence. Um, If we're going to talk about just random books, I really, really love Peter Pan. Peter Pan? I read it several times to my kids, and... I guess the reason I like it, I don't love fantasy. I think the whole genre is kind of stupid. But (laughs) this one does such a good job of communicating the ins and outs of children and their mindset of selfishness and how Peter Pan perpetually stays five years old. is It's just such a good rendition of that. So I really love how he communicates that. And if I'm allowed to have two, I'm going to also say John Patton's autobiography. Um, He was a missionary to the New Hebrides, which is now Vanuatu. It's in the South Pacific in the 1800s. And his, uh, just his adventures there and how the Lord kept him alive against some all human, human odds. Wow. Yeah. That's a wide Mm -hmm. range. Yeah. (laughs) That's like... How many genres can we fit? Okay, so I'm going to share my book, and it's Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte. I think the reason I love this book, it is the the only book I have ever read that I have literally wept in, where I was crying so hard, um, and I had to, like, wipe tears away to be able to keep reading. I just love the character development. I love the story of redemption. I love the, I love the themes I think it's just an impactful book, and I love that she just comes from humble beginnings and just her story of how she overcomes so much adversity and the part where I cry, I'm always just like, somebody help her. If you've never read that, like, it was the part where she's just wandering and wandering, and I'm like, somebody help her. So anyway, I don't want to give the story away, but it's just a beautiful book, kind of slow in the beginning, but if you stick with it, it's such a good story, and I just love it so much. 
Yeah, I like Jane Eyre, too. I mean, although it's kind of like one of those books that kind of sort of has a happy ending, but not not really all the way. People are blind. They are. People are. <laughs> Carla's like, I don't want to give the book away. I'm like, let me tell you about the end of the book. It's a little Brothers Grimmish, I suppose. But. My favorite book is, um, I mean, if we're talking fiction books, I really like The Westing Game. It's this really short mystery book. I like it so much. I've always liked this book. I don't even know why. It's just a really good mystery. And it, and, and it makes you think a little bit. Um, and I also really like Pride and Prejudice, which does has a very it has a very solid happy ending. It is. That's a solid happy ending. I like that. And then I also like The Shadow of the Almighty, which is a which is a book about Jim Elliot, um, a Christian martyr in Ecuador, that greatly impacted my life. So those are those are my favorite books, and the reasons why. Thank you, Cameron. <laughs> that was lovely. <laughs> okay. So now we want to take a few minutes to just talk about how we shepherd our hearts with scripture each day. So we're going to take a little serious, a little serious turn now. So this last week, I have been in the Gospels with either my kids or reading myself. And there was one passage that just really stuck out, which it was in Luke 20, 40. And what it says is that they, meaning the religious leaders, did not have the courage to question him any longer about anything. You wonder, like, how is it that you're shepherding your heart through a verse like this? And it was because so, you know, so often we see in Christ's ministry how the religious leaders were trying to trap him in an answer over and over. They tried to be clever. They tried to find ways to see you're wrong, see you're wrong. And the heart behind that was always, we want, we don't want you to be Messiah. We don't want you to be who you say you are. We don't want you to have authority over our lives. And so we're going to try to trap you. Um, And I thought about how that... When Jesus went from speaking clearly to speaking in parables, and what that judgment that that meant is that um, it was going to be, you know, it wasn't going to be clear anymore. It was going to be shrouded in mystery because of their rebellious hearts. And so kind of in the same vein, they, they stopped. They didn't they didn't want him to be who he said he was because it meant that they were accountable. And so I started to think of my own heart and how I don't like to be confronted with sin. And even in my own salvation, it took God himself opening my eyes because we would never choose Christ left to ourselves. And so uh, just the grace of God, I was just reminded of the grace of God in the gospel and how he opened my eyes to my sin so that I can understand scripture and so that I can walk with Christ. And so I don't have to live in that judgment of having the gospel shrouded in mystery. I can understand it. And I can also face my sin and um, and just how I need to grow in humility to um, take the rebuke of scripture to my heart and the rebuke of other believers that may uh, see sin in my life. And so just uh, the humility that I need to have to be open to the authority of Christ in my life, in every area of my life. So that's um, what I thought. It is such a supernatural thing to want to see our sin. It's just like, that's just not my default. My default is always to think that it's, you know, my sin is actually better than it is. And, And so it is a supernatural sort of miraculous. It's not sort of miraculous. And I think it is miraculous. It's a miraculous thing to, to, to see our sin and to want to see our sin. Um, so thank you, Carla. Yeah. Um, April Anderson, welcome to the show. We would like you to start with, could you just share with us really briefly just your testimony and just how you came to know the Lord? Sure. Um, like Carla said, I was 
I grew up at John MacArthur's church. My parents um, had been saved years before, and my dad made the decision to move over to that church when I was pretty young. So I only remember little bits about the church before that. But um, so I grew up from maybe five or six years old um, hearing the gospel all the time, uh, very solid truth all the time, Sunday morning, Sunday night, um, any extra stuff we did during the week, and then obviously from my parents as well throughout the week. Um, so I was surrounded by truth, and I was surrounded by the gospel, and um, I think as, you know, in hindsight, looking back, my dad had a proclivity toward end times and looking towards heaven, and always, he, and I remember him saying, like, maybe Jesus will come today, you know, and I, I kind of look at him funny, like, well, I've got a lot of life to live still. I'm not, I wouldn't say that, but I kind of think like, well, maybe he will, but I still have to play with my toys and do school and, you know, all these other things. Anyway, so I, I feel like growing up, his, his constant reminding of end times or um, rapture or his just desire to go be with the Lord kind of scared me and because I realized that I did not have the same... Uh, proclivity toward that. I had all these other things I wanted to do and I didn't see it as necessarily like the best possible option at that moment. So I think as I was growing up and I was surrounded by the gospel, I started in my pride to do what a lot of kids do and try to be good and try to live up to the Lord's standards and short circuit the gospel. Um, I tried my own route for a long time and I think I asked the Lord into my heart a gazillion times, like so many other kids I've heard of doing. Um, and then, you know, I was nine years old and I'm laying in bed at night scared out of my mind because I wasn't sure if I asked well enough mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. the Lord to be in my heart. Again, a very works-based um, mindset there. So I went in to talk to my mom because I just felt more comfortable with my mom while she was busy. She was in the shower or something and my dad's like, well, I can talk to you. So <laughs> I, uh, he shared with me, he's like, you know, April, you're making this so complicated and you really don't need to make this complicated. It's very simple. You read to me Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth, then you're, you're going to be saved. And then that belief will turn into righteousness and it won't come the other way. It's not righteousness makes you believe. It's the belief turns into righteousness. So I, I understood that at that time, and I knew from trying and trying and trying on my own that that wasn't working. So I knew my own route and my own goodness and my own desire to save myself wasn't working, and I knew that the only answer was the Lord. So it was, it was a childlike faith. It was a simple faith. I didn't understand every aspect of the gospel. I didn't understand every way my heart was going to try to reverse that again you know, in the years following, but I do believe that was the point where my heart was genuinely changed mm. and you know I, there were still things I struggled with after that with feeling like I needed to do more try more the Lord is happy with me if I did one thing or the other or not happy if I did one thing or the other but there was this constant growth toward um, jettisoning all that mm -hmm. and I think just sitting under the truth through junior high and high school I really started to gain 
a better understanding and be able to to shepherd my own heart through you know in my when my sin and the devil was telling me you know you're not good enough and God's only going to love you if you're if you're perfect at this you know I was able to correct that with scripture Thank you. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. It is, it is always encouraging to hear someone else's testimony because it does just make you think, yeah, you know, a similar thing happened to me, but it was different, you know, mm-hmm. but if it's the same God, similar yeah. circumstances. Yeah. And God is so faithful. It's just every, every time you hear someone's testimony, you just know, see him for the faithfulness of God once again. Yeah. All right. So we are going to ask you some questions about your son and about your family and just how God has brought this situation into your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so we're, we'll go ahead and get started. So walk us through the initial diagnosis, uh, like how old was he, what signs did you see, what response did you have, things like that to give us some background. Yeah. Um, well, Micah was born happy and healthy and there were a few things about his delivery that kind of gave me pause. and made me wonder if something was not right. But every doctor I talked to said, nope, that's normal, this is fine, no need to worry, nothing. Still to this day, doctors tell me that. So I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. You know, at some point I just need to believe the doctor and stop asking. <laughs> <laughs> and just say, you know what, it's fine. That's not, I, I think in our hearts, we're always looking for that cause or that reason yeah, or that right. thing that I can kind of blame or And it's whatever. not like you can change it, No, even if you no, know it, no. but yeah. So anyway, whatever, he's meeting all his milestones, he's doing great, you know, you're this proud mother that has all these expectations that you don't realize that you have. Because he was your first, right? He was my first. Yeah, of course your child's going to grow up and change the world, because mm-hmm. he's your kid. Mm-hmm. And you, you don't realize you have an expectation for that, but everybody does. And uh, anyway, so there was a point in time, I think around six, seven months, where he started, he just stopped Hmm. meeting his milestones hmm. he just he was ahead on a lot of them up to that point and then he just kind of stopped and took a long break in gaining any new skill hmm. so I kind of wondered about that and I was like oh that's weird why isn't he crawling why isn't he hmm. jabbering more why isn't he trying to pull up on things like you know hmm. those are every those are the months and days where every day seems like there's something new that they're doing and he just didn't uh, so, you know, that made me wonder, and, you know, the doctor still was like, you know, some kids do that. They'll, they'll focus more on one thing, and the other thing will go out the window for a while, and then they'll catch up. No need to worry. Uh, okay, great. That's fine. Well, Micah was five and a half months old, and I got pregnant again. So now Whoa. I have, now I'm pregnant, and my first baby is very, is getting more and more delayed. So I'm actually in the hospital having number two, and Micah walks. So he was 14 and a half months when he walked. So, you know, that's a, a little, a little late, late. But it's not. No big deal, right, right? Right. Okay, so that kind of continued. That kind of thing kind of con- just continued on until my second started meeting these milestones right on time or even earlier. So I thought, you know, well, okay, I just have two babies. I have two. They're like twins in a lot of ways. Um, and they were so close in they age. They were so close in age. They're 14 months apart, 14 and a half months apart. So I thought, you know, well, that's fine. One's just, they're different. You know, God made them different, whatever. So I think the biggest thing that we noticed, I'm taking too long to say all this. The biggest thing that we noticed was um, the speech delays. 
Um, He was two and a half, not saying anything. Like, maybe mom, inconsistently. Like, Mm -hmm. not a lot of talking for two and a half. Uh, Three and a half, he was the first, it was Christmas Eve, it was the first time he had put four words together to make a sentence. Mm -hmm. And I said, that's my Christmas gift, he just said a sentence. Mm -hmm. Um, So four and a half, five, he he learned how to form a question and... Just, it's not just when you deal with speech, it's not just the sounds that can be delayed. It's also, I forget what they call it, um, but it's the forming of language mm-hmm. and how that happens in a kid's mind. How to, how to form questions, how to anal- analyze what they're hearing, that kind of thing. So, so up to this point, he's like five years old. Are you thinking, So yeah, are, are people really concerned so at this it's point? It's funny because, you know, I'd put him in church, nursery, and... Every once in a while, there'd be someone that says, have you ever considered that he might be autistic? And I said, not really, and here's why. It's because every doctor I take him to, every specialist he sees, he had seen autism specialists to Mm -hmm. determine if he had autism, and they said no. So I told them, I'm like, his pediatrician is not concerned, these autistic specialists are not concerned, every specialist or authority has said no up to this point. So no, I don't think that. But, you know, that's always a little, that's also a heart check too, because when other people are approaching you saying, hey, I have concerns about your son that you don't share, that's humbling, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's, that's a whole lesson to talk about (laughs) in and of itself, how to hear people that have concerns. But no, I didn't have concerns. I did have concerns that he was behind. Uh That's all I thought it was, was that he was behind. Mm -hmm. So anyway, in the process of all this, when he's two and a half, three and a half, there was a very a godsend of a lady who just decided that she loved our family. She was a speech pathologist that was recommended to us, and she just started giving us hours and hours and hours of speech therapy without any charge. Hmm. Really, we could not have paid her. I told her, we want to do it. We cannot pay you, hmm. that, what you're asking. And she's like, well, just come anyway. And I'm like, well, we can't pay you. And she just... Keep coming. Just keep coming. This was six years of private speech therapy from the sweetest lady that the Lord just put in our lives. Mm -hmm. And um, that was just a godsend that you see how the Lord's care for you over time. It's like the Lord doesn't give you more than you can bear. Right. (laughs) You know, he's going to send someone along to help you. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's what she was. She was an unbeliever, but just wanted to help us. So uh, really, it's funny, you know, when you... Everybody approaches this kind of differently, but when you think about getting your kid diagnosed and officially getting a label put on what is going on, you know, in some ways that can be very helpful because, Mm -hmm. okay, now I know what this kid is capable of, what he's not capable of. Where's the line between? It it helps with that line of what's sin, what's laziness, what's inability, what is ability. Mm -hmm. It also gives you a huge, especially as a mom, a huge disadvantage because automatically mm. I, I start to think I want to excuse his problems. I want to excuse his sin. I want to excuse the disobedience. Mm-hmm. He can't do it. He didn't hear what I said. He can't process what I said. He, um, he doesn't know how to tell me the truth. He gets confused. If I ask him something, he's going to give me the other answer. Well, that's a disability now instead of sin. Mm. 
You've been so. given a category by the medical community, like, hey, hey there, there's a box, you know, and right. so it kind of limits. You can't do this. Yeah. So there, there is some truth to some of that. You know, there are things genuinely that he is limited in. Knowing your kid and knowing that line has been a matter of faith and dependence on the Lord because I still, to this day, 16, and sometimes I still question, mm-hmm. and I know him the best of everyone in the whole world, I still question if he's pulling my leg or if mm-hmm. this is actually a genuine disability. So that has driven me to the Lord. So all that to say, the only reason we even took him to get a diagnosis, I, I think we would not have done that even if this were not the reason, but he was getting, I was homeschooling him. He was getting really, really behind in math because that was just something Mm -hmm. I could not teach him. He was not gaining any progress. Little brother passed him up. You know, he's learning just fine. Mike is not making any progress. So I thought, you know, John and I both thought, you know, people go to school for this. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I don't have a teaching background. Um, Maybe there's people out there who, who do know how to teach math in a different way. Mm-hmm. So we need to get him into a school that can actually teach him better than mom, you know? Um, but to do that, um, you he does need a diagnosis to get into those classes. So you can't just say, hey, I want my kid in these special classes. They actually need a diagnosis. So we went down that road um, to have him evaluated. Uh, the lady spent nine hours I think with him and it's just interesting the way these things are diagnosed um how old was he he was about nine yeah at this point um you know she spent a long time with him at the end called us into our office okay I have this 40 page report for you and um he has he's got maybe eight or nine diagnoses on here but autism I'm gonna put it down because it's gonna give you more services but I don't see the classic autism things like flapping your hands, staring at the ceiling fan, repeating yourself constantly. You know, I don't see that stuff. And I said, well, he does flap his hands, but it's only, you know, during a movie or when he's real excited. She's like, oh, okay, he does it. I'm putting it down. Huh. So even the hmm. way thing, these things are diagnosed, is very, it's very subjective. Mm-hmm. Um, so just something to keep in mind if this is something that you're dealing with that the diagnoses themselves are very subjective, and the line where you officially cross into mm-hmm. diagno- into uh, autism is not necessarily clear. You know, I remember having a question for my pediatrician about one of my other kids and something they were doing, and I said, do you have a medical reason why he would be doing this? And he said, well, it's a self-stimming behavior. It's like your other son. It's like your autistic son. However, he hasn't crossed over that line into this diagnosis world. He said, look at yourself right now. You're twirling your hair with your finger. That's a self-stimming behavior. You, I, you know, I left that office thinking, you know what? We are all on the spectrum (laughs) somewhere. And at some point, you cross over into where you need help or or something. Uh, So it's, it is fuzzy. So that can be a discouragement, I think, to people, you know, where that line actually is. But anyway, all that to say, um, he got a diagnosis, got into school, um, and spent a couple years at that school, and then we ended up bringing him home for other reasons mm-hmm. again. So, okay. yeah. Um, so throughout this, 
what was your response? So you, you have this diagnosis, and, and now you have a, a child, which, regardless of whether or not he's officially in some category, you know, there are going to be challenges, learning challenges, and probably family challenges. Mm -hmm. I assume there were family implications as well there. Um, how was, what was your guys' response to that? Like spiritually, how did you respond? How did your husband John respond? What did that look like? Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say, you know, I was listening to Kim's podcast, you know, a few weeks ago that y'all did, and she had a very, it was an unexpected diagnosis, a clear moment where, okay, I have to trust the Lord in this. This was a little different for me because I had been living in this for nine years already, where it was cloudy, it was confusing. You know, we would seek to get parenting advice because all the normal, typical things weren't working. Mm -hmm. And... Um, we, when we had our second son, we thought, oh, okay, this is why everyone's saying what they're saying. This is why you parent this way, because it actually is effective hmm. and it is biblical. But with our first, we would do the exact same thing. It was very ineffective. Hmm. So we're living in this cloudy, confusing world of, wow, okay, what do we need to change? What do we need to do to make this work? Um, and yet always having to bring our hearts back to scripture and saying it doesn't matter the results. The results don't matter. What matters is our faithfulness. And John was super helpful in the day-to-day -day with that. Um, we talked all the time, all the time, every single night, pretty much. I would call him during the day with questions. Hey, what do I do here? this is going on, this is total chaos, like, I don't know what to do. Uh, he would help me all the time, all the time, every night. Okay, here's what you need to remember. These are the house rules. When this is broken, this is what happens. When this rule is broken, this is what happens. Just reminding me all the time, all the time. And renewing my mind with scripture. Mm -hmm. Hey, here's the principles God has put out for us. He doesn't give us more than that. And it's gonna look different than another family because our family is different. So you can't just say, we're gonna do everything this family does over here because that's not our family, but we are all operating off of the Bible. And we, like I said, we need to be faithful to the scripture and not to a slave to what works. Mm -hmm. And that became very, very real to us um, in, those, in those younger days um, where our faith was just really tested. So yeah, it wasn't necessarily like, oh, well now I have this official diagnosis and um, I really have to start shepherding my heart now. Mm -hmm. I mean, it wasn't like that for our family. I did have to fight that thing I told you about now giving myself an excuse. Well, he's mm -hmm. autistic. Well, he has, you know, he has other diagnoses too. He has one that's been hard for me is um, auditory processing disorder. Okay, so he has trouble taking something he just hears, processing it, and doing something with it. Hmm. Okay, well, that's 95% or more, 99% of commands in the home are auditory. Yeah. Okay, so if I say something to you and you don't do it, well, now I automatically have a reason to think you have a disability and you're not just choosing to disobey me, which mm -hmm. I'm sure there's some of both, but knowing where that is. So we've had a change, you know, the, the diagnoses have helped me realize, okay, for my three other kids, I can say, 
three things to do at one time. Mm -hmm. And I can expect that they're going to go do it. And if they don't, that's disobedience. With Micah, I I really need to just say one. Hmm. Go brush your teeth. Go wash your face. Make your bed. Like, just simple... I've even had at times where I would have him repeat to me back what I've said. Mm-hmm. I've tried to get in that habit. He's older now, so I don't need to. But when he was younger, I'd try to have him repeat just so I knew he knew what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. And he knew what to expect out of that. So just things like that have, have changed. I don't know if that's really what you're asking. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because one of the things we wanted to know is just the role of John in all of that, in his mm-hmm. leadership. Mm-hmm. And that was really neat to hear how he just helped you with the day-to-day, always going back to scripture and reminding you of what, you know, what it, behavior is expected. Mm-hmm. So can you give us like specific ways that you use the Bible um, to shepherd your heart in daily parenting challenges? Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they probably look different from when he was nine to when he's 16 especially in the midst of a very busy family life because you do have four children, four boys, right? And your husband's a pastor and it's busy. And yeah, how do you shepherd your heart? Yeah. Well, I think I've already alluded to the first one, which is just do I, I've been challenged to, do I just obey the Bible? Hmm. Do I obey it? Hmm. The the commands are clear. Um, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Ephesians 6.1. Okay, that's clear. Um, how I go about teaching my kids to do that, there's principles there. Am I going to obey those principles from Proverbs or from other places? Um, when I feel like they don't work. It's easy when mm-hmm. they work mm-hmm. and you get payoff, and it's like, oh, well, that was easy. You know, my other kids, they do something wrong. I correct them one time. We're, movi- we're moving on our merry way until... The next time which is a while with with this one it was literally 28 times a day that I would have to go back and say do I believe that this is what God wants me to do and in the moment it's almost an act of faith it is an act of faith where I'm like I don't humanly speaking this isn't working but I trust the Lord hmm. and I know that I need to obey the Lord I need to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord um, other things um, can I submit to John? Okay, mm-hmm. so this brings in Ephesians, what is it, 5? Mm-hmm. Um, he would lay down a new rule, a house rule, a family rule. I want you to implement this when I'm gone. Okay, well, <laughs> that's going to alter my life significantly and really, really make things inconvenient if I now have to implement this new rule. Because, again, like I said, for the others, it's, it's relatively easy, quote-unquote, with Micah, it would be years. I'm not kidding when I say year, years of consequences and teaching and instructing to get that to change or to help him see the importance of something. So submitting to your husband, that was hard. That's an act of obedience and faith. Um, I started to see my parenting as worshiping the Lord, um, obeying him regardless of the results. Um, the the passages on love this has actually been more recent can I rejoice with people can I say I love people 
if I'm going to be jealous of their situation. You know, you have so many people to look at in the church. Right. And so many people to compare yourself to. And, uh, you know, as your kids grow up, it's just different all the time, and the temptations change. And recently it's been, you know, he turned 16, so all of his peers are now getting their driver's license. Right. So can I say I love moms, peers, whoever, if I'm going to be jealous that their kid gets to do something that mine doesn't get to do right now. Mm-hmm. So that, those, you know, basic, basic scriptures, I mean, talk about like the one everybody memorizes, First Corinthians 13, or second, I don't know where, yeah. First Corinthians. First. Um, love is patient. Yeah, love, love is, is patient, love is kind, it's not jealous. So, okay, I've had to like, ask myself that mm-hmm. do I can I say I love people can I obey God in this basic basic thing love the body of Christ love the world you know if I'm gonna sit here and be jealous of you know what their kids get to do and what mine don't so that's one way more recently mm-hmm. yeah wow. yeah this isn't actually one of the questions that we that we had for you initially but I was just wondering is there what, what is the best way that we as a church, as your brothers and sisters in Christ, can come alongside of you in this? Um, you know, for, there's obviously a knowledge gap there, right, in terms right. of not having an autistic child. How can we love you? Like, how can we care for you and love you? Yeah, I mean, really, everybody in the church, their trials are, it's a kaleidoscope of trials. Mm-hmm. No one's situation is exactly the same. Even if there was another autistic family in the church, that it wouldn't be the same. They're all so different. The family dynamics are different. Your other kids are different. All of it's different. Your husband's different. But, um, you know, and then that's not even to say you two with your specific trials, your unique things. So there's not like one specific thing because he has autism and because I'm dealing with this, I wouldn't say there's like one thing where it's like, oh, well, this is the best. Really, obeying one another's, I think, are, I mean, it's so general. I hate to even, you know, I'd like to be more specific. But I think knowing, I guess a little more specific to that would be there needs to be a depth of knowledge of the person. And when I say that, I mean, you need to know people well enough Mm -hmm. to know their sin and where they're struggling. And on the flip side to that, if you are struggling, you need to be open and share that with the body of Christ and not just think, okay, I'm fine. Everything's fine. I'm embarrassed about this. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to open myself up to that. That's sinful too. So I think when there's true biblical godly relationships in the body of Christ and people who want to obey the Lord by doing the one another's in the body, encouraging and confronting and all those things, this is gonna happen naturally. Mm-hmm. Like the encouragement I need, I've gotten from obedient saints. Mm-hmm. Cameron, just the other day, I was crying to you about something, uh, how hard something was with Micah, and I, would, I so appreciated the, the response. It wasn't, oh, you poor thing. <laughs> Oh, this life must be so hard for you. That's, I don't need to hear that. I know that. Mm-hmm. I need to hear what you said. And it, you said the truth, that it's a privilege to raise kids. 
autistic or not, it is a privilege. And when my sights get off of that, Mm -hmm. and when my sights get on myself and my comfort, I need to be corrected Mm -hmm. biblically. And that was what I needed to hear. And I thought about that that whole week, that that was a, it's a privilege for me. So I think that when we obey the Lord, that is the best way mm-hmm. <laughs> to encourage someone like me. In my last, in our, in our last episode, it, and I, it, I was talking about this earlier, but um, Carla had asked me what is a way that, the same question, but to me as a widow, right? In my circumstances, how can the church come alongside? And what I said is just be the church. Just do the one another's because mm-hmm. what we need to hear is not more of ourselves. What you need to see is not me, and what you need to see is not you. Um, what we need to see is the Lord, and we need to, you know, that that's the only place where there's hope, right. and there's no hope in, in any other place. And so, I think that's just a really helpful thing to hear, you know, that God and how wise of the Lord to make the body of Christ such that it's it is sufficient. You know, it does it is sufficient to cover a whole variety of of. Um, difficulties and trials within the body, you know, that the body causes the growth of the body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we just need to be faithful in church and faithful to know one another. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, you can't be a fringe person. You can't be someone that just comes in, sits, and leaves. No. Think, what did you say? A fringe person? Fringe. A I fringe. thought you said you can't be a fringe On. person. I was just going to say, you can. That's wrong. (laughs) You can be French and come to church. Yes, you can. French. That's true. I mean, just even the types of conversations that we seek to have with people, they cannot be wasted. In Hebrews, I think it's four, it talks about um, knowing the body well enough to know if there's a a root of bitterness springing up. Okay, well, the root doesn't even show. Yeah. So, how do we know each other well enough Hmm. to know that bitterness? or some sort of sin is hiding and lurking in our hearts. If we do not have good conversations with people, mm-hmm. if everything is, hey, how, you know, this or that, or sports, or, you know, just the day-to-day, yeah. that's important too. I don't want to just say it can't ever be, you know, lighter conversation, but I really have been impacted that the wasted conversations that I've had with people are just terrible. <laughs> it's a waste. It's a waste. It's a waste. Yeah, it's a waste. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I think it's time to wrap things up, huh? Thank you, April. I feel like I want to just keep talking to you, <laughs> you longer can. and longer. I know. We're we'll friends. Do it. We'll do it after. <laughs> we'll just do body life together. So, uh, so great. So thank you for coming and sharing with us. It was a blessing and an encouragement. I hope it encourages our listeners. So we're going to wrap things up. And as you go about your week, we want to remind you of what is eternal. So we'll end with Isaiah 48. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Thank you for listening.